0: We are in Acts, so we are finishing out this series, When in Rome. This is the last part, of, the last chapters of Acts, and we'll actually go into Second Timothy as well, just a little bit, because those are Paul's closing remarks. So we've been in this for a couple of years, and um, this has really been a great series for us to understand how the early church began, that it was not through their own strategy or their their own power but it was through the power of the spirit leading them constantly and so whenever they knew that there was something new to begin they would turn towards the spirit of the lord and ask him to lead we see this with peter in his dreams we see this with paul that even though he wanted to go to rome three years before this he paused and he waited for the spirit of the lord to open up the doors for him to be able to go and it was probably not the way that he thought he would end up in Rome. And we'll see that as we go through this chapter. Chapter 28, so if you have your Bibles, go in and open them up. Chapter 28, we just have 15 verses today, one through 15. And it's a great story again. I almost hesitate to even have a sermon because really the story itself speaks so loudly in these last chapters of the journey of Paul as he gets to Rome and what God does with him there. Verse one of chapter five of 28. Once we were safe on shore. Now remember last week, they were on a ship and Paul said to the captain, we should not sail on, we should stay here. But the captain didn't listen to him. And then they sailed on, they hit a huge storm in the Mediterranean Sea. The ship began to break apart. They tried to do everything they could possibly do to keep it afloat. And Paul said, There's nothing you can do, the ship is going to go down, but you will be saved. And they, at that point, decided to listen to Paul. So they waited, the ship did wreck, they were out in the middle of the sea, not totally, literally in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, but they were out in the sea, and they saw an island off in the distance where some of them would swim to, and some of them would just grab onto debris, and make it to the island, but not one of them would die. Now I'm going a little fast forward here, but verse one, we were, when we were all safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit, bit him on the hand. The first thing that I want us to recognize here is that Paul is always active. Now remember, he wasn't on the island waiting for everybody from the shipwreck to come on shore. He wasn't warm and comfortable. He was part of the shipwreck crew. And if Paul could swim, it doesn't say in scripture, then he swam to the island. How many of you, actually, she will not like this. but I'm gonna do it anyways. Marsha, you just did a uh, triathlon, right? Did you do some swimming today? Oh, <laughs> that's what happens when you don't prepare my stuff beforehand. <laughs> I was counting on that, Marsha, no. So when you go swimming, you're tired. I am a, I'm an okay swimmer, but I would much rather run. And when I go swimming, I am exhausted. And the only thing I can think of is that Sarah and I have recently, well, not recently, the last three months we've been a part of CrossFit, and in a 20-minute, they call it a wad. I feel like I've just died, like five times. And all that person is telling you is, you can do it, keep going, keep going, and you feel exhausted. I think that's kind of the feeling that Paul probably had as he entered the shore of Malta. And not only that, it was cold and it was rainy. So it wasn't like they came out and it was Aruba. They came out onto the shore of Malta where it's cold and rainy, they're freezing. And Paul could have very easily became the victim, right? But he saw this act of mercy going on, and he joined in. He put his own self aside and said, the shipwreck crew, the crew that's actually holding me captive as a prisoner, is worth serving, even if I'm cold and hungry and tired. So he gathers these sticks to add to the fire, He's working, and a snake comes out and bites him. I bet some of us have felt this when we've tried to help someone. You get the metaphor? Have you ever tried to help someone, and you feel like you just got bitten by a snake? Your intentions were good. It was honorable. You're just trying to help, and the person comes back almost like, why the heck are you doing this? or maybe even venom, with venom in their words says, get out of here. But for Paul, again, he doesn't allow the venom of the snake to cause fear in what he's doing. He doesn't go, ah, someone help me. He just simply shakes the snake off and continues. Now for the people there, This was amazing because this venomous snake should have made his arm swell. It should have made him begin to vomit, but nothing was happening. And so they began to make some observations. This is verse 4. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. I could just almost see them like going to do a little gambling here. Like, when is he going to drop dead? When is something going to happen to Paul? But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds. This is, a, in a sense, a metonia in Greek a turning of one's thoughts, a turning from sin, or the word that we use is repentance. So you could have almost said they repented and decided that he was a God. The people got it wrong twice. First they thought he was no good and a murderer and needed to die. And then they switched within hours and decided that he should never die he's a god they didn't know what to think about paul they didn't know what judgment to put upon him because they were so quick to judge i wonder how often we do that with people as well how many times are you the people of Malta looking at someone else and making a quick judgment that either they deserve to die or they you give them way more honor than you should. Just think about some of the people that you've probably have already done that with this week. We believe that God loves everyone, right? Is that right? Does God love everybody? Okay. We believe that um, the Lord wants everybody to be saved, right? Now, what about that person that almost ran into you this week on the freeway? What about the... The characters in this last week that have walked into the schools and shot the kids. Do you see your judgments began to flare up? What about that weird person that you're not sure how to take? Or maybe someone who's an enemy and is trying to cause your demise. Do we bring peace, or are we more apt to bring vengeance? This week, one of our one of our family members, sister Sylvia, Sylvia, if you want to come on up, she got to experience God working in her life pretty dramatically. It was surprising because oftentimes that's how god works is that as he's working in your life you don't even realize it until it's done in fact a good friend of mine said to me when he listens to the lord's voice he doesn't realize he's heard it until he remembers it he doesn't realize he's heard it until he remembers it it's like oh that's what you were saying And sometimes that's what the Lord wants us to be able to do. It's just simply remember that he spoke to us. So Sylvia, why don't you share what the Lord did with you this week?
1: Um, This is a little hard for me because I am filled with a lot of shame and disgust with myself, and yet I know that my God loves me and forgives me. So this started... um, on Wednesday, actually Tuesday night, my husband and I were traveling to San Antonio. For those of you not aware, we go, I go every two weeks with him. He's working over there temporarily. And um, for the last couple of weeks, I've had, I lost my voice completely, which probably some people like, but for me it was rough to speak, and I do a lot speaking. And then uh, on Monday evening, I was walking my dog, and I hurt my foot. And so I was hobbling and I was just grumbling and I kept saying, oh me this, oh me that. We got to an apartment which they have for my husband in San Antonio and I started grumbling about how we couldn't park closer, we had to carry all these things in and I'm coughing and all this stuff happens. The next morning I have, um, I joined in on Zoom on the devotions that we have at Target and I heard one of my sisters speak and she was sharing some things, and after we uh, finished, I started praying about that, and I thought, I need to reach out to her. And actually, I think what God was doing was reaching out to me, because when she responded, I had to confess to her. You know what? I said, I just did that last night, and then this morning when I was taking my husband to work, I started grumbling again, because the rental car, he's had about eight rental cars, And each time I have to learn how to turn it on, where the lights are, where everything's at. And I thought, Lord, I'm so blessed. We have a great vehicle, it's paid for. We have a great temporary place, it's paid for. I have my health, really I do. And so I just let that go and I thank God and I shared some conversations with her. And we both reminded ourselves that we need to look for that peace and thanksgiving that that God wants to give us. And we turn it away. Then that evening, um, I thought we would have a nice quiet dinner. And my husband says, we need to go out to eat, casual. And San Antonio is pretty casual, so got dressed. and. What I did in our devotions, um, I usually read a chapter ahead because I don't know how the next morning might look sometimes. And I'll, I'll share that with you in a minute. So we get to, um, it was, what was the name of the restaurant? It was a Boilermaker. And it's right by the Pearl Brewery. Beautiful place. There was hardly anyone in there, and there were six of us. And the service was slow. And if there, there are a couple of things that irritate me in life. And one is injustice to elderly and children. And the other one is poor service. And quickly Sylvia comes to work. And it was everything from delaying the order, um, not even looking at us, it took us about three hours to have a simple dinner we just had appetizers in our main entree and i kept looking at her she never looked at us and everybody was grumbling but no one said anything and i kept thinking to myself and even when i ordered I our ordered three vegetables for my dinner and she kind of looked at me vegetables and i said yes well i didn't know when she bought them out there were family-sized orders. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you could have said something. And by this time, the restaurant is getting pretty packed. And I have already, I've already said to everyone out loud, I am writing to the manager. I am right putting this on their website. And I was, I was, I was just, I was done. And the reading for the next morning was from Hebrews 12, 14. And it starts out with make every effort to strive for peace, for peace. And it hit me if Christ died so that I, so that you could live a sanctified life, a holy life, then I needed to do something different. So Jesus enters and she's at the end We're ready to pay, and I go up to the bar where she's at, put my hand on her shoulder, and said, are you okay? My husband is much better at that kind of stuff than I am, because I'm ready to just fight and have anger. Her life had been in a turmoil, marriage, finances, job, and she didn't know Jesus loved her. And this is where I shared with the group the next morning. I was just filled with shame, because I had a second to make a decision, and usually my choice is to follow Sylvia. And instead, I remembered that verse, make every effort to strive for peace. That's an action word. That means we have to do that and I think about how many times I missed that opportunity because I choose when I want to do that. And Paul was telling the Hebrews to do it continuously. So when Aaron asked me yesterday, he texted me if I would share this, I thought, no. I prayed about it then I talked to my husband. And this is the Lord speaking in me because I was bawling. I just, I, just, I just couldn't understand why is it that I always want to let myself rule, and yet I know God lives in me. I know I love him. I know he loves me. But I continuously want to strive for what I want. And so when I heard today about the venom, most of the time the venom, comes, it comes from us. It always comes from us, because Christ is in us and he wants to live in us. And I think I'm so thankful that rather than judging me, he gives me mercy and he gives you mercy. And that's so much better than being judged and condemned. Thank you.
0: Sylvia, what is her name? Raquel. Raquel. Let's pray for Raquel. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you gave Sylvia an opportunity to share Jesus with Raquel, to pray with her, to encourage her, and comfort her, even though everything before that moment told her that she needed to uh, seek out vengeance against her. Lord, thank you for bringing peace in that short time that Raquel and Sylvia had together. And may you allow Raquel to remember that moment that she did into her life so that she could see your son, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. Let's give thanks for the message from Sylvia. Giving a testimony is not always easy, but I think it's very important because as we share our stories with each other, we are allowed to see a glimpse of the Lord working in us, sometimes in dramatic ways and sometimes in simple ways, but they're all important ways. And so I pray that as you think about where the Lord is pushing upon you to not seek vengeance, but instead of, instead seek peace, may you be led by the Spirit and not by yourself. That's exactly what Paul did with the shipwreck crew, with the people of Malta, Because right after this, after they thought he was a murderer, and then they, instead of seeing Jesus, saw him as God, he jumps right back in and begins to serve them. Verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. This fever and dysentery was from they believe it was some kind of goat disease. And so it was a horrible kind of thing where if you got sick for long enough, for over a week, then you would keep this sickness for another six months and then you would have effects from it for the rest of your life. So this was not just a flu. This was something that the Islanders feared. They feared this hugely. So Paul went in and prayed for him, laying his hands on him, and he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything that we'd need for the trip. Verse 11, it was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island an Alexandrian ship with twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Regum. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day, we sailed up the coast of Putolo whatever. There, we, we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard We were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged, and he thanked God. He'd waited to arrive on the soil of Rome for three years. Three years prior to this, he thought that the Lord was pushing him and leading him towards Rome. And he had written a letter to the Romans, and we know that as a book of Romans, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about uh, exactly how, how Paul was feeling. We start in verse 9. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is this opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so that I can bring some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And what I love about this idea of Paul three years before this, wanting to go to Rome and writing it to the Romans who were Christians in the city of Rome, is that he didn't know how he'd get there. He had no idea how the Lord would open up the way. What he had experienced in the past is God would just send him on a missionary journey. And he would go on for miles, thousands of miles on these journeys. And he would hit some persecution, he'd get beat up. I'm not trying to make light of it because he was almost killed several times. But if I was Paul, I would be thinking, yeah, that's probably the way I would get to Rome is I'm gonna go on another journey and I'll visit Ephesus and I'll just keep on going until I get to Rome. But Paul had a different idea. Or God had a different idea for Paul. And that was, you're going to be a prisoner. And that will be your last stop. I think sometimes we want to resist that rather than allowing the Spirit to just lead us through it. And in our resistance, we cause a lot of pain and suffering on ourselves. And so what Paul does is he just lets go. He doesn't try to escape from the ship. He doesn't try to escape when he could have, when all the crew was tired and on the island. He could have tried to get out of there. He was honored by the islanders. He could have told the islanders to protect him. They thought he was a god. But instead, he just stays on mission. He puts himself aside and stays on mission because he knows that God is always making a way to do his will. No matter what circumstance, no matter what condition he finds himself in, God is making a way. And I wonder how many of us today, when we get hit with something, that we think that God's not in it, that he's not standing right next to you, that he's not walking with you through whatever you're facing. And instead, we see God as an opponent rather than a partner. If God would just do this, make things better. For Sylvia's story, Sylvia, if she had her wits about her, she probably would have been praying and maybe she even did. If God would just make this waitress a good waitress, we wouldn't be in this situation. If someone would just teach her how to serve, we wouldn't be in this situation. But God was making a way for him to be revealed to the waitress who didn't know that Jesus loved her. That's the most important part of the story. It doesn't matter what she was doing beforehand. It doesn't matter what Sylvia was going to do. What mattered is that Jesus showed up at the right time. Because Sylvia paused for one moment, and instead of doing what Sylvia wanted to do, she's led by the Spirit, and engage Raquel with the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and the works of Jesus. That's how God changes the world. And he does it through small things, like a bad experience at a restaurant. And my prayer for Raquel is that she would be empowered and encouraged to come close to Jesus, just as Sylvia came close to her. So where are you resisting God's plan in your life? You can probably identify it because it's an area of stress. Anybody stressed? Okay. Think about those things that you're stressed about. Just one of those things. And name it. And then say, God, why don't you take it? And then what I want you to do is tell someone else about it so that you are accountable to that person, that you've given this to the Lord and now it's no longer yours because you're going to follow his way, not your own. And I want you to write it down. And the important thing about writing it down is that in a few months or a year or three years, you will look back and you'll say, God made a way. I gave it to him and he made a way. I gave it to him and he showed up. I gave it to him and he changed my marriage. I gave it to him and I became more faithful. I gave it to him. And my kids who were far from Jesus or close to Jesus, I gave it to him. And my job that sucked no longer sucks. I gave it to him. And my finances that were a mess are no longer a mess. I gave it to him. So, name it. Give it to him. Let him capture that thought. Pray about it. Tell someone that you love what you're stressing about to release it, not to vent because you've given it to God just to make sure that they come back to you and go, hey, how's that going? And write it down so that you too can have a testimony of how God is working in your life because he is. So the second question is, where is God inviting you? Inviting you. Remember, it's always inviting, not challenging right now. He's inviting you to trust him regardless of the circumstances. Now that probably could be correlated to the thing you're stressing about. He may be inviting you to trust him in that stress. To endure for a little longer. To fall back in his grace one more time. Where is he inviting you to trust him? Instead of rebel against him. What's clear about Paul in this point of scripture is that he doesn't bring vengeance when people do wrong to him. He doesn't bring vengeance when he has every right to. Instead, he brings peace and God's grace. So what if we would bring peace instead of vengeance to the situations that we find in our lives? What if we would represent jesus our king in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in and the way we we can do this because i know when i say that those can be platitudes and you can go well that's all good pastor aaron but how do we actually accomplish that and we have brought this up before but it's very evident in this story that if you believe like paul does You will be able to bring peace rather than vengeance. So the first thing that Paul does is that he believes that God is great. We call these the four Gs. We've done this before, but I'm gonna remind you again because I bet you forgot. Everybody remember the four Gs? Exactly. Okay, so God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Nowhere in this story does Paul say he has to be in control. He just allows each event to happen and he responds with God's grace because he knows that God is great. God has the whole thing under control. He doesn't have to have it under control. He wanted to go to Rome three years ago and he doesn't try to make his own way. He allows himself to be a prisoner and be taken to Rome because he believes that God is great so he doesn't have to worry about how he gets to Rome because God will make a way. He believes that God is glorious, so he doesn't have to fear others. No matter who he stood before, whether it was the captain of the ship or Festus, the governor of the region that he was um, put on trial by, or whether it was the Caesar of Roman itself, Caesar Augustus, he does not fear because God is glorious. He has nowhere else to look. He just stays focused on the Lord. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. Paul could have looked anywhere else except he didn't. He could have looked for all the followers to take him out of his, his condition, he could have looked for a doctor right away with the snake. He could have looked for some other road, but instead he said, "You know what? I believe in a God that's good. So I don't have to look elsewhere. Everything will come from him." And he believes that God is gracious that he doesn't have to prove himself. He knows that the only reason why he can respond to Festus he knows the only reason why he can shake off that snake and not be concerned that he might die is that he's given his entire life over to the Lord Paul believes that because God is so gracious that he was forgiven when he was the worst of sinners That's what he calls himself the worst of sinners And because he believes that God is so gracious, all he wants to do is tell other people whatever condition or circumstance he's in about the grace that he received. He's not trying to go start all these churches or defend his faith before Festus so that God can go, wow, Paul, you're really good. He's not trying to prove himself to God he realizes that God has already approved of him. And that approval that he got from the Lord on his way to Damascus, when Jesus said, Paul, well really he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And There was a change in his life. It was in that moment that he realized there's no better thing than to believe in a God who approves of you the moment you turn to him. I pray that the rest of this week that we would believe in these truths, that God is great, that God is glorious, that God is gracious, and that he is good. And that we wouldn't believe the lies that turn us off of paths, off of mission, and away from him. Because we will be people that bring peace, not vengeance to every situation. Because it's in the peace where we find the Prince of Peace. It's in the peace where we find Jesus. It's in the peace where we can finally relax and give up our stress and rest in the arms of the Father who loves us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the story about Paul and how he continued to seek peace and not vengeance. In every condition and situation he found himself in, he didn't react out of his own sinful self, but he stopped and allowed your spirit to lead. And in doing so, people got to hear about the love of Jesus. Lord, we had an example of Paul to look at it in the story today, but we also had a living example of Sylvia reminding us that though we may mess up, the Lord will still use us and will still invite us to represent him. So help us to not fall into our shame and get caught up into that, but instead release that shame to you and then be ready to represent you. Because there are people who have hurting hearts. There are people who don't believe that you really love them. There are people who don't even believe you exist. And there are people who are angry with you. So help us to be those peace bringers, And not get caught up in our own emotions when someone wrongs us.